Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Her Trails Long Run Podcast. Um, in this conversation, you have Beck and myself in your ears, and we really are talking about the pathway to our goals. Uh, we go a lot into that, and towards the end of the conversation, we do share some more personal experiences that have brought us to places of mental fatigue and overwhelm. And I thought I would add a bit of an introduction to this episode because what we didn't explore in the conversation is about how you actually support yourself when you're feeling mentally fatigued um, from challenges and setbacks that are happening in your life. And so I think the first thing is when you are in a state of overwhelm, it's incredibly important to nourish yourself in order to cope with that overwhelm and to move beyond it. When we're going through stress and anxiety, um, our cortisol levels are up, our hormones can be out of whack. Uh, and so there are many ways that we can start to support ourselves whilst also acknowledging you know, whatever hardship we might be experiencing. We will explore this in a separate episode, but research has shown that adaptions can combat fatigue, they can enhance mental performance, ease depression and anxiety, and they can help you thrive rather than, rather than just muddle through those moments of fatigue and overwhelm. Uh, and so adaptions can actually include things like goji berries, ginseng, licorice root. We're going to put up a bit of a chart on the Her Trails Facebook community group of showing you some different things that you can consume um, that can support your system when you're experiencing this type of stress. And of course, it goes without saying that this doesn't override the importance of quality sleep, self-care, supportive networks, and actually leaning out to your supportive networks, and even getting professional support if that's what you need. So I have definitely prefaced this conversation with a bit of a heavier note, but I thought it would be an important duty of care for us to not just share with you some challenging experiences that we've both gone through, but to also give you some tools and tips to help you if you have experienced similar things on any type of level. And with that, now let's go straight into the conversation. Welcome to the Long Run Podcast. Uh, we're back in your ears, whether you're during your long run, you're driving to your long run, or perhaps you're just like, no, I'm going to listen to this before, maybe during a speed session. So I'm your host, Samantha Gash, and back with us this time is the wonderful, amazing, incredible, inspiring Beck. Um, and this podcast is going to be a lot about the pathway to our goals and what that pathway really looks like. But welcome back. I'm so happy that we can be back together on the podcast. I'm seeing your face. You guys don't have the pleasure of having this in video, but I'm seeing Beck. I'm actually in my pajamas. <laughs> I'm in my PJs. Always a pleasure to have a chat, especially a morning chat with Sam. It's the best way to start the day. I know it's your lunchtime, my morning. You're wearing a beautiful orange shirt. I actually think orange produces happiness in people. Uh, something about you that would, wonderful that's your vibrant favorite, favorite color. It's my favorite. It is my. Did you do that on purpose to make me feel better? Yeah, I'm, I'm making you feel good right now, <laughs> and I'm dancing, guys. So oh, you're so good. That's how we go. It's such a great way to. It's such a great way to start the day. Speaking to someone who 
just always lifts your spirits. I always think at the start of the day, it's actually a beautiful place because nothing's really happened for you to be disappointed in the day. So there's this kind of optimism that comes at the beginning of every day. So why not boost that optimism with like energy and happiness by getting on a phone call with someone that you just love or, you know, finding a way to inject that extra bit of goodness into the start of your day? Actually, on that, I do have this thing that I, I wake up every morning and, and I, before Bo comes running into my bedroom, um, I always say three things that I'm grateful for before I start the day and it really helps me get into that positive mood. Before I so what up. were the three things you said this morning? <laughs> well, I, just, I was grateful for where I live um, during this time because in Malibu uh, we have a little bit more space. Um, I've been going into the city a little bit more for work, so I was grateful to live in Malibu, have a bit more space for Bo, and just to I love being by the beach and by the mountains. So I was very grateful for that. I'm grateful for my boys. I always say this, but my husband is a true gift. <laughs> I keep asking him what's wrong with him. So I was grateful for Bo, <laughs> and the third one was just in general, being grateful for Bo. So, um, yeah, there were the three things and it's hard to top that, those three at the moment, but they can be like, oh, yesterday I was grateful for my run that I had. And I was grateful for being, um, on a good path of consistent running, which is not always the, what I'm grateful for. Um, the day before that, I was grateful about, um, surgeons with, uh, one of my girlfriends, Nat just got spinal surgery. Uh, but these things just bring light to my life and it, it kind of changes the way that you, you think of a morning. It's like, a, instead of being like, Oh my gosh, it's so early. I got to get out of bed. It's like, what am I grateful for? And it kind of stops you from getting on your phone straight away and it wakes you up in a positive mind frame. I like that you start your day that way. I've always typically done gratitude journaling towards the end of the day as like a reflection piece. Mm-hmm. Um, but, hey, you can do it twice. There's um, an abundance of things to be grateful for, particularly when you turn your mind to it. I mean, your health, that you've got food on the table. I mean, it can be so simple as that or it can be really granular as well. So, Thank you for sharing that. Um, We are currently in week nine of the program. It's a challenging week for a lot of people because week nine, as we say, you're so close, but you're still not there. Um, You've still got a couple of weeks before you feel that you're ready to run 21.1 kilometres. And a lot of you probably feel like you've been pushing for some time, like you've been doing the long runs, like the pathway of consistency is there, but maybe you're wanting a little break. Or there could be some people who are like, I want more. I want more. Um, I think all of those emotions are completely normal. And they're also going to be really unique to you, to what else is going in your life right now. For so many people, run is this beautiful outlet. And I think it is almost an outlet for everyone once you're doing it. But to get to the run, to feel it being an outlet can be the challenge. So 
if your work is really high, if you're stuck in lockdown, um, so you're homeschooling your kids, you know, if there's all this other stuff going on, sometimes we can characterize the run as a chore and it's a burden to get out. And so in those early kind of phases of getting out the door, there's resistance to it. Um, but then as soon as you get out, I, I feel very, very rarely does someone go, oh, I wish I didn't just do that run. I wish yeah. I kind yeah. of like, I wish I stayed back at the computer and just, you know, I was on my phone scrolling or I was, you know, talking to my kid about, you know, making sure that he wiped his bottom yeah. better. Exactly. Yes. I've never regretted a run. Have you seen Yeah, but I... I but I, I do sometimes find it hard to get out the door. Uh, one of my friends, Jo, who you, you heard on the last conversation with C's the Yay, she always runs first thing in the morning. And I typically do do that, but I'm going through a phase at the moment where I'm doing it at the end of the day just because I, even though I love the idea of starting the day with a run, sometimes I need to use my most productive hours of the day for work uh, when my brain is at its most alert. So I do try and like, go for a little walk or get a little bit of outdoor time, but I need to use all my energy first thing in the morning for work. Um, or it might be raining and I'd rather just wait for the, typically Melbourne by 4pm. That's kind of the best weather window of the day. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm, she's like, I don't know how you just get your run done at 5pm. And I'm like, it's because I've left it to 5pm and I have to get it done. Exactly. You have no choice. Otherwise, you yeah. So, yeah. So, whatever you're all feeling right now about your run, it's totally fine. Um, it's it's also completely normal. Um, but we will say, like, you've got to kind of keep charging for a little bit. You know, positive charge. Keep going through the runs, uh, the programming. Really keep on top of the strength programming and obviously the mobility as well, because you know quite a few of you have shared with all the inclines and the speed work, um, you are feeling that little bit more tension in your calf. Um, and Beck, can you give us just some thoughts on some additional releasing of, of the calf exercises that you could kind of suggest verbally? Yeah, I'm the lacrosse ball, the her focus ball. If you haven't got onto your foam roller or a golf, golf ball, just something smaller that's actually going to get right into your calves to release it. Um, oh, and the gastroc. It. Yeah, get right in there. Get right into that solace too. And just like feel the pressure points and hold on them. Like you don't have to always be rolling. I always call them the hot spots. You can't see me right now. I'm using my hands always do this. But um the hot spots where you're just like holding on to those tension spots and then you give little rolls. I seriously mm. ask your family or friends or other half to give you a nice calf rub and don't forget <laughs> don't forget about the Achilles <laughs> and the feet to be honest because it's all connected I um, asked my sister I asked my sister to give me a massage the other day and she is like brutal like there was just like no warming up the spot like she just went straight in with like full intensity and I'm like do you need a like you need to lubricate my calf before you like <laughs> penetrate really hard. <laughs> you like, come on, soften it up a little bit. So it's this balance of you don't want to neglect the really sore places because sometimes when we're rolling, it's amazing how we can just go to the place where it feels a little bit better. Yeah. So you want to want to identify those areas, but you also have to be, don't create additional trauma, like work your way into it. Like don't go with full intensity straight away, like kind of loosen it off what you can do even with your fingers or with the foam roller. And then you get in with the kind of 
the hold after you've kind of warmed up that spot? Yeah. And then after I do that release, I like to get into a down dog position and do a pedal out. So where you're just kind of going onto the toes, your toes, and then pushing your heels down. So you're pedaling your feet kind of like a tippy toe dance. And then you hold on to it, hold hold on the sides and you can work the different angles um, of your calves because that'll also get your Achilles in there as well. It's, It's a great little add. Um, it's my favorite part of yoga when they're like, okay, downward dog and just pedal out. And I'm like, can we just do this for like longer? (laughs) Yeah, I actually really love it too. It's one of my favorite, as you would all know, by doing the strength workouts. But I will say this week we are rolling into, um, a week without hills. So you're welcome. Um, but we do have, we do have a time trial, a 10 K time trial coming up on the if you're not doing it right now, um, you will have nice, nice flat times um, to just take the pressure off the calves a little bit and and realize what you've sharpened. Always like say you sharpened in your run, like you're putting all of your skill sets together. So that aerobic, the long distance that you've been training for every week, the anaerobic, your strength. It's all coming together and you've done all the fine tuning and now is kind of the time that if you're excited for the 21.1, you get to kind of put it into play. I call it the dress rehearsal, um, this 10K, because you kind of get to put it all into play for 10 kilometres this week. So I hope you're out doing that now or if you haven't, good luck. Um, see what you Yeah, I mean, I think a really good thing to remember is just because we progress doesn't mean that it's still not going to really be challenging. Oh, yeah. Because every time we – it's always going to be. Every time you do a time trial, whether it's a 5K park run, whether it's a 1K effort, whether it's a 10K, you know, you're always working to what is your capacity at that particular point in time. And so you're always on that knife's edge. And I like that. Like we're sharpening, we're sharpening the axe. That's what mm-hmm. we're doing you know, through the last couple of weeks and now you get to kind of see what it feels like. And for some people it might be the quickest time you've ever run 10K and for others it won't. And it doesn't define who you are or what you are as a runner. This is all a part of the progress. Um, So I'm excited for everyone. Please share how that experience was for you. If you want to share your time, awesome. But I'd love to hear like feeling-wise, what did it feel like to be able to run 10Ks doing it as kind of a, you know, all out, see what time you can do it as. Um, Some people will be like, it's the first, yeah, some people will say it's the first time they've run 10Ks nonstop. Yeah, or fast. And and when you're writing those comments, I'm really interested in what the internal dialogue was. What What's the inner voice telling you? Like, is it positive? Is it telling you to stop? Is it telling you to slow down? Is it telling you that you have you know, you can go up a gear. It's amazing what we tell ourselves um, when we're in a time trial in, in when you compare it to just a long run. Something about the pressure does it either makes or breaks someone and I, I hope it, it gives you a good little kickstart into what the internal dialogue is doing and how to kind of turn it into a positive, a positive self-talk. Well, yeah, there is an intensity when you kind of say, I want you to do, like, this is a time trial. The word time trial, every time I'd say it on my program, I'm like, oh, I meant to, like, 
I meant to be better. Exactly. <laughs> I meant to go all out. And sometimes I'd go out too hard and then I couldn't hold on. Oh, um, but I, let's actually, and that's okay because that's, that's, do you know what? That's actually an amazing thing to do because you're actually experiencing limits. Mm-hmm. And some people go their entire running experience and never completely gas out. And so they're actually always paying, playing it safe. So if you go out too hard and then you've got to kind of shuffle it in for the last kilometre, well, that's so be it. Um, just finish the distance whatever way you can. But let's talk about the start line because whether it's for a time trial or for the 21.1 kilometre down the track, I actually think you need to prepare yourself before you undertake, you know, a distance like this or a run like this. You don't just kind of like roll out of the, you know, your bed, get into the car, drive your car to the start of the spot, close the car and just run. Like create a moment, like feel a moment, like stand on what is ever your like imaginary start line and like look down that trail or that track that you're about to run on and take a moment, breathe it in, like like prime yourself physically and then take the time to prime yourself mentally. Like think about what you're about to do Say to yourself, you know, this is going to be a challenge, but I have prepared myself for this and I'm ready for this. And you know what? I'm excited for this. And then go. Like really enjoy the moment of like preparation before you go into it. That's so good. That's so good. Because, you know, those nervous butterflies that you you will get at any start line, you can control those. And that's what the breath will do. It's such a good point, Sam. Hey, Beck, I've just noticed that I've left my charger upstairs. Uh, I'm going to head upstairs and grab my charger and you can just chat to everyone. Enjoy. 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 (laughs) I will. And what you can do the moments before you tow that start line is, is controlling what you're eating through the week. So making sure that you're hydrated, making sure that you're eating well, um, before because you're actually running off your hydration and your fuel source from the day before your run. So we all know that I am a big believer in fueling yourself to optimize your performance, and that happens during the week, um, not the weekend of your long run. So for this long run, like make sure, or the 10K, uh, make sure that you have that meal the night before and the days before that you know you can run off and you know that you have good energy by consuming that good meal. So if you've designed your plate with Thea, our Her Trails nutritionist, you will know that you want complex carbohydrates, proteins, and all of those nice green leafy vegetables. And that'll help you uh, tow the start line with confidence that you have enough energy within your systems to perform your best. And that's really what we want. We want to perform our best and make sure that we have fun with every run and every race that we compete in. So the more knowledge that you have, the better it is, as always. Another thing that I like to do is a little visualization. So like lying down in bed and I'll actually what Sam was talking about before is like she's saying that you're looking down that trail or that start line, that path. But I actually like to do it 
closing my eyes the night before the race and I'll close my eyes in bed and kind of just go through everything that I need to go through for the race. So I'll visualize myself on the start line and then through different moments, even if it's a time trial, um, the different moments where I know because I've, I've mapped out my own course, I'll watch myself running. And it sounds a little bit, a little bit strange, but I find that the visual, when you visualize yourself doing what you want to do, that goal becomes hello, a hello. little bit reach. Okay, like you, it's within your reach. Like you've seen it before. You've been here before. It's familiar. So now you get to, you get to see it the night before and then you get to go out and run that race that you've already seen. So it's familiar ground. So if you want to try it, you can try that. It's a something that might take you a little bit to get used to. It's kind of like meditation where some people are like, yeah, meditation's for me, and other people are like, mm, no, I just can't meditate because I can't sit still. So take a few breaths and see if you can do that, see if that helps you. I think what's important about that is it's, it's that whole thing of preparation, like the mental preparation. You know, everyone's spending so much time on the physical side of things. I think it's crazy that we spend hours in during the week on our body and then we neglect to think of the mental side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, like think of a marathon, for example. I remember my first marathon. I was following this online program and it was just so physical and I remember getting close to game day, rest day, rest day, and I just realised that I had never, because I had never done a race before, I had never even like mentally clocked what it would be like to pick up water at an aid station and how I would drink it. Mm-hmm. And I never thought, oh, there was just so many things that weren't a part of my physical past experience. And I was like, okay, well, if I can't recall back to a time in my life when I've done that, I have to mentally take my brain there so I can kind of rehearse it in my mind. And I remember like visualizing in my mind, okay, I'm going to go to the aid station. I'm going to see it. It's going to be on the left. And then I'm going to find myself slowly veering across, you know, just slowly edging my way to the left side lane of where the table's going to be. And I thought, you know what, I'm not going to pick up the first water cup. I'm going to go towards the end where there's going to be less people because everyone just always grabs it at the start. So I'm going to I'm going to maneuver around crowds. I'm going to use my small stealth body to get in between <laughs> and then I'm going to grab it. And then I'm going to walk for four steps whilst I actually get the fluid in my mouth as opposed to get it all over my shirt and then possibly get additional chafing. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking about all this kind of stuff and it's like it's like I had done a dress rehearsal in my mind um, and so therefore when I got to the situation on game day, I had been there before. It, it was a familiar experience for me. Our yeah. minds are so powerful to remind us that we can do things that maybe our physical body have never done before. Exactly. And it's a very powerful tool and, and I use it not only on races, I'll use it for a hard session coming up or or, or any any kind of challenging event. Um, it's a way to train your mind um, subconsciously. We're training our mind through those sessions. But if you channel in to what you're actually doing, um, you're just connecting mind and body and it's a perfect place to be. Did you like that I had my eyes closed when I was doing that? Yeah, I did. I loved it. I was, I was <laughs> with you. 
<laughs> You're with me, my mind, and in my yeah. bed at night, Beck. <laughs> and speaking about, you know, training the physical side of, of the journey of any particular goal and the mental, can you think of any setbacks for yourself that you either, A, haven't achieved a goal or you found the journey a little bit harder or things just didn't quite match up to where exactly you wanted to be for your goals? Uh, I don't think I have rocked up to any start line thinking that I was truly ready, if I was to be very honest. Um do you think but I don't have that, that I don't have that thought yeah I don't have that thought when I'm standing on the start line it's kind of the thought I have in like the week or two beforehand and I'm like oh I feel like I could have done more I feel like you know that cold that I had a couple of weeks back that's really set me back a couple of weeks you know where I didn't you know give my all in that particular session like I think all of us by human nature kind of amass all of the things that we didn't do perfect and we possibly utilize them as a reason for not being ready. Um, but what I would say is by the time I get to any start line, that's not what's on my mind. Like I've spent so much time in like the couple of days leading up to it, like boosting up my mental self mm-hmm. um, and reminding myself like I did the best that I could. It's like what I think about my parents now. When I was younger, I used to get so mad at my parents. And now that I'm a parent myself, I always go, my parents did the best that I, they could at that certain time. And they, you know, it, it helps me as a parent. I'm like, hopefully Harry will think that too. <laughs> but it's true. It's the same with you as an athlete and you preparing for this. You've done the best that you can do. Um, and your best at this time might mean you've had a cold, you've dealt with lockdown, you've got an injury that's kind of sidelined you for a week or two, that's a part of it. Like that is all a part of this journey. Like who said that the pathway to any goal was meant to be linear and without hiccups and bumps along the way? I mean, we need to forget that vision in our mind because it's actually not reality. If it happens, it's an anomaly and good for you. Hold on to it because I guarantee you probably next time it won't be that way. Yeah. So yes, the pathway to every race that I've done. I mean, I think, um, I think to when I did my first like really, really, really long run, which was um, in Layla Dark. Um, it was between the, I'm not sure if I've told you guys about it, but it was between the two highest Moreau passes. Uh, I think I've talked about it in one of the um, trail time series, but it was 222 kilometers. The whole race is about elevation. Um, and I had only ever done 250 kilometers over six days. So all of a sudden I was going from being a multi-stage racer to being a single stage racer, but I was virtually doing the same distance. So no sleep, no stopping, just 222 kilometers, peaking at over 6,000 meters above sea level. And the race averaged at four and a half thousand meters above sea level. So quite clearly, I couldn't simulate race conditions um, in my training. I mean, I wasn't going to fly out to India, you know, for months beforehand prepping myself. Um, but I did decide to get an oxygen, um, like a chamber thing. I had like one of those old school portable ones. This is back in 2011. So they didn't have like chambers back in 2011. Not unless you're with like the AFL and the pro like athlete yeah. teams, maybe at the AIS. But I remember training at this place called like, um, was it body science or uh, bodyology? I was training at bodyology. 
And they were one of the first people to have like the portable mask that you put on and there'd be this really loud, clunky, oh my God, it was so loud. Um, And it felt like you were almost being suffocated. And I'm like, I don't know if the altitude thing is working, but I'm definitely feeling a restriction of breathing capacity. So sorry, it's got to be good. And then I decided okay, the only way I can do this race is if I cram in my subjects at university and do a winter semester in Malaysia so I can be ahead of my uni schedule so I can now take two weeks off to go to India. And so I went to Malaysia, but I took my portable <laughs> altitude device. This is like, it's just so ridiculous. Can I just tell you, this thing weighed like 40 kilos. And I'll never forget, like, I managed to make this, like, sponsorship deal with – I flew on Qantas, but I made a deal with Jetstar Transit or Cargo, Jetstar Cargo. So they took my 40-kilo device, but then I had to – like, I remember I got to Kuala Lumpur and I couldn't find where the cargo centre was, where this massive chamber was. And I was travelling with a girlfriend at the time and she's probably thinking, like, I just want to get into our accommodation. And I'm like, I've got to find my baby. <laughs> I've got to find my baby. <laughs> this thing was just – became an eyesore. I remember carrying this thing like or dragging it along the cobbled stone like rickety side paths in like Kuala Lumpur because we couldn't fit it into any taxi and I had to like keep looking till like one guy would take it but then wouldn't shut the boot completely closed but we put a bungee cord. (laughs) I mean I don't know if this is like completely answering your question but it's taking me back to like some of the shit show situations I've put myself in to achieve the goals that I wanted to do. But basically I took, I made a, when I got into um, KL, I made like a handshake deal with like one of the local gyms and I'm like, will you store my baby? Because <laughs> <laughs> I can't keep carrying it between my accommodation and where the gym was. And so they did. And every single morning at 4am, I would go and my friend would go and um, we trained there and I just trained on this like treadmill with this oxygen mask on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the hurdle for that race is I actually lost too much weight. Um, a combination of training at altitude, living in a different place, being kind of poor so I couldn't feed myself properly. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't eat proper meals. I remember I stood on that start line of that race not being the strongest version of myself. So I feel like I was prepared for the altitude, but I didn't prepare myself for training at altitude can whittle away, you know, your muscular base. Uh, And so I didn't realize that. I kind of was at a place in my life where I thought smaller is lighter, lighter moves faster and further. Uh, And it's where I didn't respect the strength that body can carry you further, faster, longer. Um, But anyway, I got through it. It was a a crazy hardcore race, but uh, that was just some of the obstacles that I got through. Of course, I sound so dramatic as I tell it, but, you know. No, my, my versions of challenge now are locked down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the it's it's such a good story to tell. And it, initially, when you first started out about your goals, it made me think like, do you feel that way because you're a perfectionist um, of at, at a start line, like not feeling ready? And because I feel that way too, I feel like you always think that you can do more. Always. Because you can always do more. Like we can always do more. Like, I mean, yeah, I even think like, yeah, I always think in my day I could have done more. Like if I, Mm -hmm. you know, did this, but like 
and it doesn't like yeah it doesn't mean more training it means I could have eaten better I could have been I you know hydration wise I could I could have drank more fluids I mentally could have prepared myself I could have had more sleep to help my recovery like I always think that um, as I tell a start line as well, as I, I'm, I'm underprepared. And mm. I think I try to just completely flick that switch and be like, well, I'm here today. Like, let's go. <laughs> let's see what we have in in the tank um, and see what we're capable of. Crap. <laughs> it's actually so exciting. Like this idea of being on the edge of something new you know, there's a bunch of people who have never done 21.1 kilometres who are doing this program. There are a group of you who have done that distance and further, but you are you were looking to incorporate a holistic programming to get yourself there in a different fashion. Or there are many of you who had wanted to do this program because you wanted to achieve a PB. There's also some of you who, who will still probably walk, run, walk, run. Like we've all got our own way of how we want to complete that distance and all of it is unique and wonderful to you. Um, But all of you are on the edge of something, like you're on the edge of something new. And I sometimes think like, let's remember the excitement behind it. Sometimes we always remember the dread and the like, I've got to get this right and I've got to be perfect. But actually like we do these things because we want to experience a new sensation and Mm -hmm. we want to feel like we're taking ourselves to like a new arena Um, and that's exciting. Like so many people go through their life in like pedestrian mode or passenger mode. Like they take the easy route out, but you know what? Like sometimes the path of least resistance means like it's not going to look great in moments and that's okay. Like I think we need to rejig our version of like that, that is actually being an arena where we're going to grow. Yeah, I love that. It's so exciting. I'm I'm excited for everyone because this, you remember all the good things. And if it if it actually requires you to kind of journal down in any moments of fear about this or like, you know, you're struggling with the program or should I keep going on or maybe this is not for me, maybe this maybe this is too much. Re like center to why you wanted to do this in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um we can sometimes get mission creep where like our goals can change along the way, but sometimes just go, and that's fine, like that's cool, but go back to the original core of this because a lot of you wrote it down for week one, like uh, you just wanted to feel like you had some consistency in your programming. Um, You wanted to meet a new group of women. Like go back to those things and hopefully you feel like you've probably already achieved those types of things and that's success as well. Beck, can you tell me where maybe on the path to a race or even a non-related running goal where it hasn't looked how you thought it was going to look and the challenges that you kind of had to overcome along the way? Yeah, I I mean, 2020 and the start of 2021 has been such a challenging time for me. And I've I mean, I, it's been a challenging time for everyone, so I'm not I'm not alone when I say that. But on the racing front, like I haven't had a race um, in a year, and I think we would I was training for something, and then it's like the training kind of stops because you you just don't know when that next race is going to be. So it's hard for you to um, create a a race and and know when you're going to peak in performance. But for me, I was training at the end of um, last year for a race. I wanted to do a 100-kilometre race. 
and I was having some abdominal pain and some issues going on um, with my stomach. And I initially thought, you know, I am celiac. Um, maybe it's something to do with with the food that I'm eating and then the training that I'm doing. And then I found out that I was um, pregnant. So I, the way that I would tell this story, it's like we, I was laying down on the couch and I said to Drew, like, this pain that I'm feeling in my hip, it feels like my labrum tear. I, um, it's now shooting down my knee and my right side. Like I tore my labrum when I was 24 and blah, blah, blah. Like, I think I need to go to the chiropractor. So it's not that I didn't know that I was pregnant. Then I just found out that I was pregnant. I just thought that the change in my body was causing a, a shift with my hips. And on the way to get to the chiropractor, which Drew was taking me to, um, I started to go into shock. So I started to go into shock and I said to Drew, okay, we're not going to the chiropractor anymore. I, there's something really wrong and I'm going into deep shock. So you need to take me to urgent care right now. Long story short, we got into an ambulance. They drove me to, um, the emergency room and they had to do an emergency surgery on me because I had an ectopic pregnancy. So that's the ectopic pregnancy was in my right fallopian tube and it ruptured. So when that happens, it shoots the the blood into your abdomen and it can press on nerves. And that's why I was getting the hip pain, why I thought I was going to the chiropractor. Um, This was a very, very sad time um, in my life because you're in such a vulnerable state of just finding out that you are pregnant. You're in the hospital, but no one was allowed in the hospital. And I know scientifically that with an ectopic pregnancy, you you cannot keep the baby because the baby's not in its position to to grow. Um, However, I still wanted to ask the question to the doctor like is there anything you can do just to save the baby um anyway uh with with that I'm like (laughs) tearing up and it's like Mm -hmm. it's just a very sad time and and I thought about how women don't actually talk about these times like I didn't even know that ectopic pregnancies were possible or like miscarriages and the struggles that women go through just in life in general not just in a training program so that happened in January and it kind of has made me really try and connect more with my body and instead of like trying to push myself to train for a goal like that has been a a difficult time I think for everyone involved, but it, it does change the way that you are training for a goal. Um, I've taken some time off. Um, we've done some wonderful things by creating a community for her trails and I've pushed a lot of energy and my energy into um, studying like the female body a little bit more and understanding our like hormonal cycles and talking to a lot of women about their struggles that they've had. Like it took me a while to be vulnerable, but I, I got there. You would be proud of me, Sam. Um, 
and and now I'm kind of getting it's six months later now, and I'm getting back into the groove of consistently running and understanding and appreciating my body, um, and understanding how long it takes for that body to heal from something um, extreme like like that. But so to answer your question, this I don't want to call it a setback. I just I was training for something and the unknown happened. So the unknown of like I would not have guessed in a million years that this would happen. Um, But I have learned a lot through this experience. Um, And just on that note, if anyone else is out there that struggled with miscarriages or topic pregnancies or uh, having trouble conceiving, like I feel you, I hear you and like, please share any stories because I think by opening up and allowing yourself to be vulnerable, sometimes it can help someone else that's going through it or any positive stories after those events as well. It's a good thing to share. But a little different to your story. <laughs> no, quiet. Oh, I'm just, you know, we talk about growth in people and – I feel like the growth through our friendship and her trails is like your openness. You mm-hmm. know, you're someone who's a little bit more protective of your information and I I think that's a boundary that I really value. But I remember back to I don't know if anyone's listened to the podcast that I did with Beck. She was like one of the first people I ever wanted to have on the Sam Gash <laughs> podcast. I think you're like episode two. So if you go back to it. Like, I was a pretty rookie podcaster. Sound quality probably wasn't perfect. But Beck and I recorded that episode twice because we did this great episode the first time. It was it was awesome. It was very informative and it was a good catch-up between two girlfriends who haven't spoken for a while. And at the end of the podcast, Beck says to me, oh, do you know that I've just gone through this situation? And she revealed something quite personal. I'm like, uh, no. I did not know that you had gone through that. And she's like, oh, I, th- I was thinking I would say it in the podcast, but, you know, I, I, and I just said to Beck, you know, what's your goal? And she said, my goal is to have a global running community. And I said, what do you think women want more than anything else? And we both landed on the fact that women want to feel connected. They want to feel heard. They want to know that what they experience is normalized and probably universally felt, even if it's experienced in different ways. And I encouraged you to consider sharing a bit more of you, your personal story is maybe a way of allowing people to connect with you because so often when we see on social media, people just being warrior women, which let me just say, like, when you see Beck's social media, like, she actually legitimately is a warrior woman. So everything you see is real. But it's we have many shades of ourselves. And obviously social media is always a choice about what we share. But I know how big it was for you to just even talk about, you know, your pregnancy on this podcast. Mm-hmm. And so I want to say I see you and mm-hmm. I hear you and I'm just so in gratitude to be in partnership with someone like you. Oh, thanks, Joe. You're going to make me cry again. <laughs> I'm so grateful to have you and the partnership yeah. that we have and the friendship. And, I, yeah, it's a 
blessing, very big blessing. And I know it wouldn't happen, like our friendship wouldn't have grown this way if we didn't have everyone in the Her Trails community. I yeah. mean, you've enriched not just our relationship, like Bex and mine, but like we've I've now made so many friends through this community. Um, you know, there's several of you who are coming out to the Her Trials retreat in the Northern Territory. Some of you couldn't make this one, but we got to have conversations about it. You know, I've started to go for runs with, you know, women from this community. Yeah. Um, and so my life has been enriched just being on this process. And, you know, so... For me, the goal was community, and I know for a lot of you it was community as well, and it doesn't stop at the end of the 12 weeks. Like you have this, you know, as it, you know, we're kind of trying to create this maintenance program for all of you that obviously speaks to the women's physiology. We're going to make it clear and simple, and it's going to be relevant for those who are still in their cycle, who are perimenopausal, who are menopausal. We'll work out all those distinctions to make it simple and clear. But in essence, it's going to be three sessions per week. But even if you don't want to do that, you have the community. Yeah. Um, it's not like we're going to shut down the Facebook group and you can no longer speak to each other. You'll <laughs> like be evergreen, you know, and you can keep going on. But um you know, I myself have had a really shitty couple of days um, and Beck, who, you know, maybe a year ago wouldn't be the person that I would have called through her trails and being in partnership with, you're like one of the first people I call when I'm having a really shitty time and I'm going to share it because I think oh, it's just so fucked. But anyway, um, (laughs) Beck's like, be careful how you talk about this. But anyway, um, in essence, there was a video that went up of me online um, that when I saw the video, I was like, one, I didn't, I've never seen that video before. Uh, And also I looked at it and I was like, oh, that doesn't really look like me. Um, That said, it's a part of me. Um, but the video basically was on a global platform showcasing in particular my excess skin after having a child and kind of it protruding through my clothes. And it just, it was incredibly triggering, not because I'm uncomfortable having excess skin. Like I'm a mother. I mated with a six foot three, (laughs) like man and I'm a four foot 11.5 woman I have excess skin but to be honest like it's not something that's the entirety of who I am and I don't lead in social media or in conversations about my body I lead with who I am as a woman and that's not my body it's like what I do with it you know that I run that I you know fundraise all these different elements this video went up online And I have been trolled in ways that I would never want any woman to be trolled. Like, and I knew it as soon as I saw it, I'm so upset by it still. So, um, you know, I've had people DM me and tell me that I'm fat and ugly and how dare I be in Lululemon clothing and my pudgy stomach and I must run really terribly um, that it looked like I and then it was a whole bunch of stuff even in public display like saying oh it looks everyone was talking about my body no this article that went out was meant to be about all the things that make up who I am like my running and my social advocacy and being a mother and all people gave a shit about was my body 
And I, it's so triggering because we're more than our body. And I've always been the most significant advocate for our body being a vessel to do what you want to do. And to see other women and men like narrow and single me down into my fanny pack (laughs) Um, was just like so heartbreaking and on a global platform. Anyway. Sam, I'm so glad that you got to share that. And I'm sure that the her community would also want to be giving you big, big hugs right now because this is not good when you're on the other side of the world. But (laughs) you, I just want you to know that people that sit there and troll and bully online, they are not doing anything with their lives. And I know you know this. I know you know it. And it's, um, it's just so horrific and body image uh, for a female no matter how strong you are and no matter how you how intelligent you are and how you know that like sticks and stones may break my bones but names will never hurt me like it still hurts and what you're experiencing right now I would be in bed crying if I would I would be an absolute mess. And I think every woman that's listening to this would also be this feeling the same way. It's because people that you don't even know, you can't even defend yourself. Do you know what I mean? Because you you don't even know these people. Oh yeah, They're- and I'm not saying I'm not saying a word and like, you know, if anyone goes back to find it, like, you know, a lot of the public comments have been deleted. Um and I'm not going to discuss on this podcast how I feel about the, you know, the representation of that video anyway. But, um, you know, that's a part of me, but it's not all of me. And so what's saddening is to be narrowed down into a body part and for that to be the essence of discussion. I, just, I looked through the comment and like I actually didn't look through the comments to begin with because I remember when I first saw the video, I'm like, I'm going to get trolled. Like I just knew it. And but to then see that no one referenced anything about what I've done in my life, it kind of, I've got to say, it kind of took me back to Survivor where when I got off that show, it's like nothing else in my life had ever counted. Everyone just was speaking mm-hmm. about this 17 days that I was on a reality TV show and they, you know, define me based on like one element. And I just was like, we're so multifaceted. We do so many things. It's so interesting for people that people kind of singular it down. Um, and so let me just say, firstly, I, I'm comfortable with my body. I'm really happy with what it's capable of doing. It's just that I don't choose to go into body image topics because I personally feel that when you lean in with that, that's all people talk about. And I like to use the time that I have to talk about other things that I care about. Like I actually don't care. I think body shapes of like tall, big, strong, you know, overweight can actually do whatever they want to do. So I just don't want to spend my time on this planet talking about body image. I would rather talk about What's happening in India? How can we use our footsteps to count? How can we push past mental blocks? Like that's what I love to talk about and that's that's what I'm so upset. Yeah, and that was the saddest part was that 
all of a sudden this video, there was no information taken to the person viewing it on who you are. It was all about body image and it's sad. It's sad for any female, um, any male, I guess males would feel it too, but I think anyone I've, do you know, like I've spoken to a lot of mums since then. And like every mum's like, cause like a lot of us after having a baby have like excess skin, like it's, you know, and if we're wearing clothes that are sometimes too small. And also let me just tell you, everyone who's listening to this, when you run, the longer you run, we do get inflammation in our gut Mm -hmm. from the intensity of what we're doing. So if you feel like you finish a run and you're bloated, know that you're not alone with that. It does not mean that you're fat. It doesn't mean that your run made you fat. It just means that your body has a response that kind of bloats out your gut a little bit. So you'll see a lot of people at the finishing line of an ultra marathon and there's a, a you know, there's a, 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 a bloating in the gut. I can't say it any other way than a bloating. Um, and it will go down. Uh, it's just the immediate reaction to the intensity of the workout that you've done. And Beck can probably give a lot more science yeah. behind it. Um, but I had run, yeah, I'd run 16K. I had run 16K that day. With, I mean, I don't, ugh, I don't, I'm not into justifying. I don't really care about that I had that. Um, it's just that it's not the entirety of me. Um, do you know what? I also think that whether positively or negatively, we probably shouldn't talk about a woman's body. Like there was a bunch of women that wrote, love that tummy. <laughs> just like if, if, if you love it, maybe just like hold it into your heart and like don't type it. <laughs> like I don't, it's just the same thing that you probably shouldn't say to a woman, um, are you going to have a second baby? Because yeah. these are personal stories that if we don't, if we don't bring it up in conversation, it's probably not for your information. Like it's not for you to talk about. It's not for you to bring up. Anyway, that's just what I've been going through, guys. I won't lie. It's, um, you know, I would say that I'm an incredibly mentally robust human and I've been thrown for six with my mental health with it just by seeing the comments from strangers. And I, you know, I've been kind of going a little bit offline besides the relief run, um, and that's just what's happening in my world right now. And I guess it would be inauthentic to not share with you that strong people can feel really shit. <laughs> um, and we all, if no one is immune to being affected by trolling and no one is immune to being betrayed on social media or in, you know, in a way that hurts their feelings. So I think, you know, social media can be incredible, such as this Her Trails community has been the most uplifting social community that I've ever been a part of, but it can also be used in a way that really tears people down. So let's make sure with our community that we stand by the pillars of supporting each other, being incredibly inclusive um, and just caring about people's feelings. And it doesn't mean we're going to always get it right, but that we, you know, do our best. Yeah. Exactly. I fear for um I fear for our children, to be honest with you. Like yeah. you think about like a sixteen year old girl that would go through body image and oh. it's just it's just really lucky you're you're such a strong woman. But I I agree with you. I think the her trails community is so positive and that's what we have created. We've never been about body image or like <laughs> the mean girl society. Like it's it's all inclusive and we have great pillars and we have a great community. So thank you. 
everyone. And thanks to you, Sam, because you are the community builder. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Well, I love you guys anyway. So (laughs) this is... I mean, you guys are listening to this conversation and you're like, I didn't know that they were going to go there. But that <laughs> is kind of what we want to do. We want to show you different sides of what run brings out, the good, the challenging, the expansive. Um, it, it, it's a lot of things. Like it, it, it creates a lot of transformation in our lives, predominantly incredibly positive, but then sometimes there's like things that are hard um, and a part of building up like that mental framework that we're talking about so much in this program is that you can survive the hard things that happen to you because, and it's not about creating perspective straight away by saying other people have done it harder, but it's about grounding yourself in the knowledge that you can cope through the challenges and setbacks that come your way and you can experience and let out emotion and you can be triggered and you can cry and you can want to crawl up in your bed and then you can get back up and put your shoes on and go for a run. Yeah. It's helped me every time. And you can also know that the Her Trails community will be there for you as well. Yeah, 100%. I actually do. Typical my fashion. Um, I'm like, okay, this happened for me for some reason. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I was like, there must be a reason why this situation happened to me. You know, I, I didn't want to go into a body image debate, but I've almost feel a little bit thrusted into discussing it based on what I experienced. I'm definitely thinking a little campaign video, just letting you know. And for those who live my way and who are interested in being a part of it, um, I will let you know if um, some details if you want to be uh, involved. But it's definitely going to involve women, definitely mothers, definitely shapes of all bodies um, that underneath our running clothes we wear battle wounds of the best type and we can still freaking run up a mountain, run on the trails, get dirty, I've got ideas. Yeah, I love this. And you, <laughs> you can just, I would just want you, Beck, to come over and go through two weeks lockdown. <laughs> just, I'm sure you'll do that for the campaign. Sure, right? Right? Maybe I'll be here in the Northern Territory. <laughs> I know. I At least know. I can do my quarantine outside there. <laughs> oh, my God. That, I know everyone wants to do that one, Howard Springs. I actually wanted – when we were in um, the Victorian lockdown for so long last year, I legitimately said to Mark, should we just maybe go into that? And then I saw the price of it and I'm like, okay, no, I can just, I can just twiddle away. Yeah. I can twiddle away here. <laughs> but, do you know, what? I think that is a time for us to wrap there because we've – Shared, we've shared a bit of stuff and I feel like we need a little bit of a, a little bit of look outside into nature. Um, yeah. It's so funny. Sometimes when you do a podcast afterwards, you're like, oh my gosh, did I just overshare? But I'm not going to edit this. I'm going to give it to you as it was, the warts and all, the ums, the ahs, the likes and the tears. And that's just what we're going to do, Beck. Yeah, I'm with you. Always yep. making me vulnerable and sharing oh, the Love it. <laughs> oh, so, ladies, um, we hope you're well. We hope you're safe. We hope that your runs are going the way that you want. But even if they're going a little bit different, that's totally okay. Don't forget to reach out to us either by the Facebook community group or if you've got a more personal question that if, if you have been at all triggered by anything in this conversation and you 
want to lean on us, we're here for that as well. Um, and keep going. You're in week nine and we're nearly at the top of the hill. Wait. Have a good day. All right. Bye. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Shall I see you ladies? <laughs>